Our scripture reading today is 1 Chronicles 29, 1 through 13. It's found on page 306 in the Pew Bibles. We'll be reading from the New International Version and its gifts for building the temple. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because his palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord God. With all of my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for iron, and wood for wood, as well as onyx for the setting, turquoise stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. All of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple, 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of fine silver for the overlaying of the walls of the building. For the gold work and the silver work, and for all the works to be done by the craftsmen, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leader of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work of the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 denarii of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasure of the temple of the Lord. In the custody of Jehel, the Gershonite, the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leader, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. And this is David's prayer. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of your father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Your Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and majesty majesty of the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Your Lord is the kingdom you're exalted as the head over all wealth, honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. This is the word of the Lord. What the Bible might say to the world's richest people, well, the Bible might say, in fact, the Bible does say, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. But who are the world's richest people? Let's talk about who's the richest person in the world. 
Carlos Slim Halu. He holds the title of the world's richest man with $73 billion. He made his money primarily in telecommunications in Mexico, but he also owns mining companies, real estate companies, and he is a stakeholder in the New York Times. The second richest man is the richest American, Bill Gates, $72 billion. Uh, he gave away $28 billion recently to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, trying to eradicate polio back in April, getting about $335 million in pledges that came from six billionaires, including $100 million from Carlos Slim Halu and $100 million from New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. The third richest man in the world is from Spain. $57 billion, Amancio Ortega. He made last year $19.5 billion. Um, he moved to the top three just uh, this last year because of his investments and how well they did. His, his stock soared 50% year-over-year year on record profits. Can you imagine how much stuff those guys have? These jars represent stuff. Okay? We all have stuff. Uh, we see stuff. We want stuff. We buy stuff. We go out and buy insurance on our stuff. We put up nice displays to show off our stuff and we measure our worth by how much stuff we have. We buy a house and then we stuff it with stuff, okay? One person has said that a house is just a big pile of stuff with a roof over it. One of our favorite things to do with stuff is to store it. There are now 46,000 self-storage facilities in America offering over a billion square feet of storage facilities. We spend $22 billion a year just to pay somebody to store our stuff. We build our lives around getting stuff only to die and to leave our stuff behind for our kids to fight over, or for some complete stranger to take over. Wars have been fought over stuff. Marriages have disintegrated fighting over stuff. By the way, this jar represents nine cents of every dollar, which is cash money. That's what we think of when we think of stuff most of the time. This jar represents 91 cents of every dollar, which is all of the other assets we have. Cash money assets, all of the other assets, retirement funds, a house, a car, maybe some real estate, and all kinds of other stuff, collections, and etc. that we might have. But let's be very honest. When we sit down for Thanksgiving this week, I doubt that any of us 
we'll be talking about how grateful we are for our stuff. And i got to tell you this, I've been present with many, many people in their last days of life, and I have yet to hear one of those persons talk about how grateful they were for all the stuff that they had in life. Now, King David, we just read about, had a lot of stuff. He was the richest man in the world. First Chronicles 29 tells such an interesting story. David was rich. He lived in the most beautiful palace on the earth. But he had a problem in his heart. And, and his heart ached because God's house at that time was just a tent. Here he is living in this palace and he's looking out on an old tent that had been carried around, moved from place to place through the desert and etc., etc. And he didn't like that at all. So he decided that he was going to build God a beautiful house, but God had a different idea altogether. God said to him, you're not going to build it, David. Your son Solomon's going to build it. So David had such a beautiful heart, he said, if I can't build it, then I will raise the money for it. So he did. In verses 2 and 3, in that chapter that Doug read, it says this, Now with all my ability, I provided for the house of my God, the gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, inlaid stones, stones of antimony, stones of various color, all kinds of precious stones, alabaster in abundance. Moreover, in my delight in the house of God, get this, the treasure I have, the gold and silver that I have, I give to the house of my God over and above all that I've already provided for the holy temple. David wasn't just giving to some building program, and he wasn't just building another building for the sake of building. Listen to what 1 Chronicles 29.1 says, For the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. That's one thing we need to remember. When we look around at the facilities that we have at Brookwood, and what an appropriate day to think about it, uh, with the memorial time that we had for Elliot Williams, when we look at our parking lots and etc., we need to remember this is not about us. It's not about us. It's about our heavenly Father. Okay, and David knew that. David understood that. So realizing that, he led the way in raising the money for the project. Again, he would. It was to be Solomon's to build, but David wanted to raise the money. So uh, scholars who've studied this say that David gave like $32 billion in the equivalent of today's money of gold and of silver and of uh, etc. He started an avalanche of giving. And if you read through those verses carefully, you'll see that the leaders, the top leaders, lower leaders, and and everybody else all chipped in to the point of giving that money for what would be known someday as Solomon's Temple. They raised all of that money in one day. Now, how did they do it? How did David do it? 
Did he start a fundraising committee? Did he get a chairman and a vice chairman and a secretary? And, and uh, did he get organized to raise this? No, he just said, we're going to do it. But here's the takeaway. Don't forget. Here's the takeaway. David knew God owns it all. God owns it all. Listen to the beginning of the prayer, the 10th and 11th verse. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Listen, indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over it. David knew that God owns it all. Now here's the most powerful king, the most powerful nation in the world at that time who recognized who the kingdom belonged to. It did not belong to the king. It belonged to the king of kings. He realized that the real throne is and he realized who the real king is that's sitting on it. We, think, we see things so differently sometimes. We talk about, look what I built. Or look what I bought. But I want to repeat again what David knew. God is the owner of everything that is. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I read a story the other day about Lyndon Johnson when he was president of the United States. He was being escorted out to the tarmac to catch a helicopter to go to Camp David. And there was a young Air Force corporal who was walking him out there, and there were like 50 helicopters out on the tarmac. So the young man wanted to be helpful, and he said, Mr. President, that's your helicopter. And Lyndon Johnson, with that big Texas smile, looked at him. He said, young man, they're all my helicopters. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And David understood that God is the single owner. He's the sole proprietor of everything that you have. Your clothes, your house, your car, your computer, your stocks, your bonds, your children, your CD players, your real estate, your investments, even your golf clubs, everything you can think of, it all belongs to God. Haggai 2.8 says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. I can't tell you how revolutionary and how freeing that is. When you sit down at Thanksgiving this week, with your family or whoever you gather with, just think of it in those terms. Hey, all the stuff, it's all the Lord's. It's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God is the owner of all things, but God, praise His name, is the giver of all things. He used, David uses these words. You rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. 
Now, now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. David understood that God owns it all, but God also gives it all. He says, look at everything that you have and remember this. God owns it. It belongs to Him. God gave it. It comes from Him. But sometimes we have a different attitude, don't we? Sometimes we're tempted to think, well, you know, look at all that I've done. Look at all that I've worked and all that I've gotten. Isn't it tempting to have that kind of an attitude? I love the movie Shenandoah. It's my favorite movie ever, Jimmy Stewart. But I have a problem with Shenandoah. I almost wish I could fast forward this, but I choose not to because I need to see it from time to time. Let's, let's look at uh, Jimmy Stewart offering a prayer for the food that they're about to receive. Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, and harvested. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We work dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel, but we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for this food we're about to eat. Amen. Now, if the truth be matter uh, be told, we have a tendency to start thinking that way ourselves. We might not verbalize it like Jimmy Stewart was honest enough to do in Shenandoah, but we do think about it from time to time. But I want to correct us on that. Deuteronomy 8.18 says... You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you power to make your wealth. God's made every human being different. I've known people, in fact, I've known very successful people who have said to me, Tim, I just feel like God has given me a special gift to make money. I I, I just do that well, and so I'm like a conduit. I see myself as a conduit. And, and God helps me make money, and, and I've pledged to Him, I'm going to get it out there and uh, get it to people that need it or get it, get it to ministries that need it, and et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's what God would love to do with us. God's made some people have an artistic ability that's unbelievable. God's given some people uh, um, an ability to do other things that you look at just in amazement Uh, That's what God would love to do probably with all of us. But too many times, it's this kind of a situation. Suppose that you have something very important that you want to give as a gift to somebody else, and so you box it up very carefully. You make sure everything in there is, is carefully put together, and then you put a name and address on there uh, for the person that you want to receive the gift. And I don't know if you've done this before, but I have. I mean, I've looked at that two or three times just to make sure it was right. You know, okay, yeah, that, let me see. Yeah, doop, boom, that's right. Then you give it to a Federal Express person, and suppose that Federal Express person is thinking, nah, I'll just take this box home, and I'll open it up, and I'll enjoy it. What would you think of that Federal Express worker? Would you think he's a thief? I, I think so. Now that Federal Express worker might take that gift box and he might, when the person gives it to him, he might look around and when he walks away he's thinking, you know, they've got a brand new pool in the back 
Uh, they've got all this stuff I could see through the door when they opened it. I don't think the guy that this is being sent to really needs this gift, so I'm just going to keep it for myself. What would you think of the Federal Express worker if he did that? Yeah, he's a thief. That's exactly what you would think. Now, how do you think God feels when he gives you the blessings of a job, paycheck, whatever, and you're holding that and you start thinking, you know, I know I'm supposed to give 10% of this to the church, but, you know, I don't really like the way they handle money that well at the church, and I think maybe they might be a little wasteful sometimes, and, uh, you know, I, I don't really think they needed that new parking area out there after all, and yada, I think I could better spend this on things uh, that gets point. What do you think God thinks of us? You know what he says in Malachi? Will a man rob God? That's precisely what he says. Same deal. Will a man rob God? God has, is the owner of all things. God is the giver of all things. But he expects us to be the manager, a good manager of what he has given us. Brenda and I went through uh, an experience right before we moved down here. We were selling our home and, and uh, changing some things around. So we sat down with our financial planner at our home at a dining room table. And the first question that our financial planner asked us is, what are your goals? What do you want to do? I like that. I like that. I mean, what if I had sat down with a financial planner and he said, hey, I know what needs to be done with your money, with your assets. I'll take care of it. Don't even think about it. Well, I'd have said, okay, you're leaving right now, buddy. I'm going to go get somebody else, right? I, I want somebody who manages what little bit of assets we might have to meet the goals that we have. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to be stewards of what God has given us. God owns it all. God is the giver of all. But God has asked us to manage it, to take care of it. So... What about all your stuff? You say, well, hey, I don't have that much stuff. You might be surprised. It doesn't matter, though, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little bitty bit. I need to acknowledge that he owns it. I need to acknowledge that he's given it to me to be a manager, to be a trustee. If you have a decision to make this morning, we would invite you to do that during our invitation time. There may be someone here who has never accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, and this would be a beautiful time to do that. There may be others who, who would say, you know, we want to become an active member of this church, and we would love for you to make that decision, or whatever God's placed on your heart. 
I would encourage you to do that as we all sing together. <laughs>